This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Mark Cuban, and you're listening to the Step Back, the best math podcast ever. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk get the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Luka with the step back 30. Oh, Boy, Chris Stabs, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just want to ring, want to fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking heads. Dang, go relax. Still at the champ. Diva still coming with the How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Math Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined by my co-host and SI Dallas basketball colleague, Matt Galatson. Uh, the Mavs, they're in a great place right now. They're, they sit at 27 and 15. Uh, they're sixth out in the West. They're first in their division. Uh, they've won four straight games, and the most recent one uh, was a thriller against Portland, where Luka Doncic he he put the dagger in Portland at the end. And uh, Matt, it was in hindsight, it was a great duel between Doncic and uh, Dame Lillard, even though there was you know a lot of uh, frustrating moments early in that game. It felt like the Mavs should have put it away a lot earlier, especially after C.J. McCollum went out with an apparent ankle injury. Uh, but, you know, they, they keep winning. That's Like I said, that's their fourth straight win. They blew out the Philadelphia 76ers. They blew out the Warriors. Uh, they scraped by Sacramento at Sacramento on the second night of a back-to-back and then they beat Portland by eight. So now they've got three days off, and you know they'll play the Clippers on Tuesday and try to avenge what was, in my opinion, their worst loss of the season uh, back around Thanksgiving. Uh, but I mean, overall, how are you feeling right now? I mean, they're they're playing well, and uh, how you feel about that big win last night against Portland? I feel pretty good, man. Um, I'm I'm happy. <clears throat> I'm happier about the. Uh, Sacramento win, I think, than any of those other ones. Right. Because it was on the second night of a back to back. But um, you know, they not and they only, didn't not only so, that, but Sacramento seems to have their number lately, so that was good. Yeah, I always like beating the Kings. Um and, you know as frustrating as they've been at home, getting the win on Friday against Philadelphia and then the win against Portland. Um, even though they, they kind of came out of the gate a little slow in both games. And then, you know, yeah, uh, Portland, they were able to get things under control a little quicker, but, um, Philadelphia it was, it took a little bit longer. They won both games though. So that's what matters. Uh, and, you know, but when I was looking at the schedule, I realized those, that's the first time they've, they've 
had two straight wins at home since like early December. Yes, they so, really struggled. That's also pretty big, uh, and uh, you know they're doing it without KP in the lineup, which you know uh, we'll get into a little bit more of that later. But it's it's nice to see that they're still capable of beating some good teams and taking care of business without him out there. Yeah, I agree, and it's a really great sign to see Luca start to shoot the ball a little bit better too, because uh, you know in that Philadelphia game. He didn't have his best performance, uh, in my opinion. I mean, he, he was okay, but uh, he's just been really struggling, especially from downtown. And, you know, in that Portland game, he just completely broke out of that funk. Uh, career high, eight made threes on 12 attempts. That's just amazing. And then the last one was, you know, a step back from way, <laughs> way beyond the three-point line. It was one of those rainbows that – you know, if it doesn't miss, we're saying that's a bad shot, but it <laughs> it went in, and so we're, we're, we're saying, oh, man, that was incredible. But uh, So it's really good to see him start to hit those threes again, and when he does, I mean, he just puts – like he put up 35, 8, and 7 in 34 minutes, 11 of 23 from the field, and then, like I said, 8 of 12 from three, uh, hit five of his eight free throws. And – I mean, when he's hitting the threes, the Mavs are just going to be really hard to beat. Even on a night like last night when there was just no defense being played whatsoever uh, on either end, really, but especially on the Mavs' end uh, for the majority of the game, when Luka's doing what he's doing from beyond the arc like that, it's just hard to beat him because it was almost like a layup line for the Blazers, but, you know, three points is more than two. So, <laughs> obviously, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Mavs end up coming out on top there. So, that was really good to see. Even with KP out, Luka, you know, getting a shot back again and not looking like he's just completely gassed, that was a great sign. Yeah, and um, I don't know how – I mean, maybe we'll get into this a little bit more here in a little while, but – I don't know how you can watch that game against Portland and not think, oh, this team could really use Robert Covington. Right. Because they were getting <laughs> gashed on the perimeter. And, you know, Dorian is probably their best defender, and he hasn't been great lately on defense. He's been fine, but they, they need an impact defender out there to, you know, kind of check players like Lillard, and obviously McCollum wasn't in the game after the second quarter, but... um. Well, here's yeah, but, here's my here's my thing because I've I've seen people, I've seen a couple people come at you uh, on Twitter when you mention Covington, and it's almost trying to make it like an either or thing with with Finney Smith or Robert Covington. Why? I mean, what's the problem? Or Tim with Hardaway Junior. Right. <laughs> you can Why have all have, of those players. <laughs> yeah. If you have to slide one to the bench, you know it's going to be Dorian, obviously which maybe he'd be more comfortable in Justin Jackson's role, you know, as like, the bench wing. Or you can start all three of them next to KP. Like, who gives a shit? He's He would come in and be easily your best defender. Okay, he, so he can bomb from three. He's a perfect fit. Let me just throw this out there. And, I mean, I, you know, KP, he's got to be healthy for this to work. But say they did make a trade for Robert Covington and say it's something like what you – uh, what you presented on on Twitter the other day, which is 
Jalen Brunson, Courtney Lee, and the Warriors pick for Covington. Let's just let's just say that that happened. Now, can you imagine? Even if it's not a starting lineup, but you know, eventually they'll play a lineup of Luca at point guard, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, or Covington, and then one of Covington or Finney-Smith at the four, and then KP at the five. That lineup would be incredible, Matt. <laughs> it's, it would be so good. I don't understand how people can't see that. It's especially, like, especially with how Hardaway and, and uh, Finney Smith have been shooting the ball this year. I well, mean, that and, would and just... Oh, man. Dor- Dorian plays the four all the time, and people act like he wouldn't be able to just slide over one spot. Right. I mean, his role wouldn't change that much. If anything, the person whose whose role would change the most is like Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell, like he would go yeah. to the bench where he's more comfortable. Um, and it just it boggles my mind how. I mean, I'm not going to stand on a soapbox, but like people say these things, and it's like, do you actually watch these games being played? If so, how can you think Robert Covington is would not be a seamless fit and perfect upgrade in this on both ends, really? That it's lineup like, I, that I just mentioned a while ago, like if that were to happen, that's like that's like Warriors, like prime Warriors. Well, I got to be careful when you say prime Warriors because they were so so good at their peak. Uh, but you know, it'd be like a Warriors death lineup. It'd be so versatile. You'd have good shooters, good defenders surrounding Luca at every position. I mean, I just don't see with what Luca's doing right now. While the roster still has you know a couple leaks here and there, I just I can't imagine the step that the team would take just from doing just from tweaking something like that i mean it doesn't have to be and we're not even talking like big blockbuster type trades or anything it's just like you just go and get a guy like covington who obviously is on the market and it's been reported that the mavs have uh shown interest in trading for him uh so i mean if if they were to do that it, it would just be huge and i mean i think it would you know make people start after the if the trade went down and after we see, you know, that lineup I talk about play, I think a lot of people would be like, okay, yeah, they're actually legitimate contenders now. Yeah, the the whole thing about about this this thing with bigs too. Like, we need Andre Drummond, we need Powell and Maxi on the floor together, we need this, we need, stop. The Mavericks are one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA, and they haven't had their best rebounder in the lineup for the last like ten games. Can we stop right. with the Drummond stuff? Right. Can we please and he, stop? Look, and even last night, after uh, Hassan Whiteside, you know, he was there was a there were some points in the game where he was getting whatever he wanted uh, down low and grabbing offensive rebounds and stuff like that. And then I saw, you know, obviously on the timeline, you see a bunch of stuff start popping up. Oh, we'll see. This is why we need Drummond. This was. The Mavs out rebounded the Blazers fifty six to forty eight, and like our friend Kirk <laughs> Henderson said, Hassan Whiteside was the Mavs' third best player third last best, night. Yes, <laughs> he really was. He had like five defensive three second calls in that game, or the Mavs four, four four defensive three seconds and one offensive three second. I mean, he he was just he was horrible. 
they might not win that game if Hassan Whiteside isn't on the other side. I mean, it was getting to the point where he got in foul trouble at one point. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't want him to get in foul trouble. He's helping us so much. But, I mean, look, let me. I've said this before. I've written about it. Andre Drummond is a great individual talent. He is one of the most talented centers in the NBA, but he's a traditional center. And he, from everything we've heard, he just doesn't give enough effort at times. And, you know, his game is just one-dimensional. Like, yeah, he'll grab a bunch of rebounds and, uh, you know, he'll average 18 and 18 or whatever it is. But he's not affecting – he's not helping his team win. And it looks good in the box score, but, I mean, it's just really not helping the way people think it is. He's and, the Russell Westbrook of centers. I mean, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I mean, Russell Westbrook, another case, great individual talent, but, I mean, he doesn't necessarily – help his team win in clutch situations. Like he, he falls apart in the playoffs. And that's the thing with Drummond. He wouldn't be playable in the playoffs, in my opinion. But, look, and I, I told you earlier today, I was listening to uh, NBA Sirius XM radio, and they had a whole – they had like a 30-minute segment on the Andre Drummond trade rumors, and uh, they were taking calls from people. And there were two back-to-back calls – from lifelong Portland, not Portland, lifelong uh, Detroit Pistons fans. And just listening to them talk about <laughs> what the Drummond experience has been like, it'll make, like, to the to the Mavs fans that are diehard, we want Andre Drummond, you need to go on NBA Sirius XM's website and find that 12 o'clock p.m. Central slot that they did today and just listen to those fans talk about what it's been like because it'll change your mind. <laughs> you, I just, I really don't think uh, we, the people that want him, I don't think they would want him after listening to that. It just sounds like it'd be a very frustrating experience. He sounds like a player that Rick Carlisle might just kill. <laughs> I mean, to me, it, I didn't listen to it, but from what I've heard about Drummond, he's just another DeAndre Jordan. He's all about the pat standing rebounds and the dunks, and he doesn't really give a shit about, you know. No, that doesn't. No, look, he that doesn't mean he's a bad teammate. I don't think it'd be a Rondo situation, but I mean, no. it's just it's just how he is. That's just what kind of player he is. So. It would be a Rondo situation in the sense that you risk bringing in something that's gonna screw up everything that you have going positively for you. Not right. from a not not from a. a a personality standpoint, but from just from a fit standpoint. Yes. And that's what people mean when they're talking about a Rondo situation. We know we know that Drummond isn't Rondo person personally, but it could have a a a similar effect coming from a different source, if that makes right. sense. And look, and the whole reason the Mavs are as good as they are is, you know, obviously Luke is playing like an MVP, but other than that the roster is very versatile. Everybody can shoot. Well, Dwight Powell thinks he can shoot, but that's that's something else we'll get into. He anyway, shoots better than Andre Drummond. <laughs> he does shoot better than Andre Drummond. So the whole roster is versatile. Uh, everybody can can shoot. Even Dwight Powell, even though he's not a 
good three-point shooter, he can still hit a three. And if he does, the opposing team might as well just prepare for a loss because it's coming. Uh, but, you know, it's like last night, the, the Mavs went 20 of 47 from three. That's 42.6%. That's incredible. They've done that five times this year. Before this season, they have made 23-pointers just five times in their team's history. <laughs> and they've done it five times this year. So, I mean, that that kind of puts into perspective just how special they've been. And, you know, we've talked about how they have the number one offensive rating. Uh, they've had it throughout the entire season. And it's stuff like that that really, you know, you say, wow, like this is <laughs> – <laughs> this is real and we're over halfway through the season now and they're still doing it so i mean it's it's just going to keep on going and if you're going go to add something make sure it accentuates what you're doing well already yes exactly. don't bring in don't fit a, a a round peg into a square hole yep or square peg into a round hole whatever the hell the saying is i don't yes, think it matters they've been good enough to this point that Yes, they still have some spots where they could upgrade, but they're not desperate. They could ride out this exact roster into the playoffs and probably do some damage as is, um, especially if they get matched up with a team like the Rockets. But, I mean, if they do make a move, I do. I, I just really hope it's for you know a player like Covington or uh, Bogdanovich, which... Before we got on here, we saw where the Kings and the Blazers made a trade. Uh, uh, the Blazers sent Kent Bazemore and who who else? Can you pull that up real quick? They sent Kent Bazemore to... Uh, Anthony Tolliver and two second-round picks. For Trevor Ariza and a couple, a couple other players. Uh, Caleb Swanigan and some guy I'd never heard of. Okay, so basically you've got the Kings trading away Ariza and getting back Baysmore and Tolliver, two two rotation players. Uh, I mean, to me, and our guy uh, Blake Weir on Twitter, he he said something about uh, could this trade be like a, a fish? Could this trade officially put us on uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich trade watch? And I I kind of think that's right. I mean, I just don't see. With the King situation, they've paid Harrison Barnes. They just paid Buddy Heald. Uh, this summer, I believe they're going to be, I think Fox's uh, deal is, extension is going to be coming up this summer. And then you'll have uh, Marvin Bagley the year after that. So they really, I just don't see them paying Bogdanovich the money that he's going to want on the, on the market. And it just makes more sense for them to trade him right now and get what they can get for him instead of just letting him, you know, letting somebody offer him a big contract and then they don't match it. So, I mean, I, I don't know. What, what do you think of that situation? Do you think they'll actually pay him? Or, I mean, what, what are you thinking as far as <clears throat> Okay, so I was talking to our friend Kirk about this earlier on, on Twitter. It means – Two things to me. One, the uh, the Blazers are just punting on the season. Yes, they're done. They they're tanking. They want their they have their first round pick. They want to 
make it as high as possible. It also um, might mean that CJ's ankle injury might be a little bit more significant than what we thought it was. Or maybe they, you know, are going to punt on the whole CJ and, and Dame thing later. Right. In, I mean, who knows? Um, and the second thing is is what Blake said. I mean, they, it could, could very well be the beginning of the end of Bogdanovich in Sacramento. And, um, I mean, if he has any say in where he's going to go, Dallas would be very high on his list, I would imagine. Um, I, you know, obviously players don't have too much of a say in where they're going to be traded, but, <clears throat> you know, agents run trades pretty much. And if... His agent says, hey, I want him in Dallas. And Luca's agent says, hey, I want him in Dallas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they can find a way to make it happen. I mean, they, they they need assets. The Mavericks have a couple assets they could, you know, send back. And it, it, it reminds me of a smaller scale version of kind of what the Mavericks did last year. Where they yeah. just cleared started clearing the books in preparation for, you know, a reset this summer. I mean, obviously nothing they nothing they did today was blockbuster, but they're starting to clear the books out and you know, who knows, maybe maybe the Mavs can get Bogdanovich and Covington. Matt, if that happened, people probably wouldn't even be able to listen to me on here on the following podcast. <laughs> See, but be... Dalton, like, Bogdanovich wouldn't fit because Tim Hardaway just... Shut, shut up. Shut up. No. Shut up. No, no, shut no, up. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, I don't want to hear look, anybody say anything like that. And, you know, it was good. It was really funny because, I mean, I... You know how I felt throughout this season. I, I like Jalen Brunson. I think that he has potential. Uh, he just makes some really questionable decisions sometimes. And like like pump faking air <laughs> from the three-point line when he's wide open. So he pump fakes and then drives into somebody instead of just taking, you know, the open three-pointer. But, you know, in that game against Portland, he showed some of those flashes again, you know, of, of being a really good player. He juked a guy out of his shoes uh, and went the other direction for a wide-open layup at one point. He had a really, really nice floater over Hassan Whiteside, who had, you know, been blocking people at the rim all night. Uh, so, I mean, he, he showed flashes, uh, showed that he's still alive a little bit after having a really rough stretch. But, you know, he still he still had some moments, especially like at the beginning of the fourth when the Blazers kind of started to make that run to get back in the game where it's just like, uh, I mean, I just you just don't know if this is working or not. Um, but, I mean, it could work with another team. Like Minnesota, I think Brunson would be an excellent fit in Minnesota. I think he'd be good for them. Um, you know, just kind of – having a little bit more freedom and getting a little bit more playing time to where, uh, you know, he can expand his game a little bit. So that's why I've been saying from the beginning that I think a uh, Jalen Brunson for Covington trade, or well, being the center of the trade, there could be, you know, more pieces involved. But it just makes sense for both sides, in my opinion, especially since Minnesota just traded Jeff Teague, uh, 
do it land. Yeah, they're looking for a ball handler. That's yeah, what, and I mean, I saw reported. I saw a report uh, the other day that uh, the Minnesota Timber, Timberwolves are interested in trading for Dennis Smith Jr., former Maverick, uh, from the Knicks. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Dennis is my guy. Uh, he's a friend of the podcast. He's been on here. But given his situation in New York and how that's all played out, if the Timberwolves are interested in trading for Dennis, I don't see why they wouldn't be interested in trading for Jalen Brunson. You know? I totally I mean, agree. It, I mean, again, nothing against Dennis. But that's like saying, hey, um, I'm really interested in buying a Prius, but if I can get you know, uh, a Lexus at the same price, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, and I mean, look, I I still haven't given up on Dennis. I, I really, I would like to see him go to one more situation in the NBA. If it doesn't pan out there, then I'll, you know, I might start to change my tune a little bit. But I just, I want to see him get out of New York. And, you know, maybe we're talking a little bit different about this kind of stuff. But you're right. I mean, it's just, it's just, it is what it is. You know, Brunson's just the better player at this point. And I just don't see how Minnesota couldn't be interested in it. And, you know, since we haven't heard any rumors at to this point that uh, the Mavs have, you know, they might be open to trading anybody yet. But I just – I get the feeling after watching this, you know, rough stretch of game, games before this four-game win streak that, you know, Brunson might end up being the, the odd man out when it comes to the trade deadline. So we'll, well, we'll see. I mean, you could also, you know, DeLon hasn't been great. Um, Justin Jackson's still probably a fairly attractive trade piece for a team who's looking for youth. Um, so there's a few different directions they could go. And, um, you know, like I've said before, the the best thing that the Mavs did this summer was outside of, KP, every contract on their roster is tradable. Right. And that's really important, too, because, you know, in, in a few years, Luca is going to get a, a big max extension. And, you know, right now, you know, when that happens, they'll have KP on the books, obviously. Uh, you don't know what they might do in uh, 2021 free agency or even this upcoming summer, but... uh. You know, guys like, unless they trade them uh, here pretty soon, which I doubt will happen, but guys like Maxi, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, those guys are still going to be on the roster when Luka gets his his big deal. And it's guys that you could turn around, and, I mean, they're young enough to where by the time their next contract comes around, you'd still want to re-sign them at that point too. So, I mean, it really just puts you in a good situation – team-wise it gives you a chance to really build some chemistry for the future um as well as they've played this year you know going forward if they just if they keep this core together and just add a couple more pieces i mean it's just the the sky's the limit uh i saw somebody i don't know who said this i i wish i could give them credit for it but i just i cannot remember who said it 
but someone last night said that this this Mavs team kind of gave them the the feel of what the Warriors felt like before their dynasty took off. And I kind of agree with that. You know, they <laughs> they, they weren't like at the top of the West, but um, they were really good. And uh, they, they showed flashes of their versatility and their three-point shooting. And uh, they had all those intense battles with the Clippers in the playoffs. And uh, then it finally just clicked. And, you know, that was it. And I feel like that's what's going to happen – uh, with this Mavs team, and I maybe I'm being a little bit too optimistic about it, but I I feel like we have enough of a sample size right now to where that's a rational take. I mean, what do you think? I'm not prepared to go that far, um, but I just don't see how you couldn't say it's it's. You have to at least say it's a possibility, given what we've seen Luca do. Uh, you know, with with this roster, knowing Here's my that thing, it could Dalton. get even better. That's arguably the most dominant dynasty in the history of sports. So I'm not prepared to say that a team that's 27 and 15 reminds me of of what they were right before that clicked. Well, but, I mean, look, <laughs> look. But, I mean, we've been talking but, about this historically but, efficient offense. You know who's second but, on that list? That's fine, but if they get another offensive player with the ability to to make big impacts like Bogdanovich, then maybe I could start to make that leap. Because I just I I think they I I think they need something like something of that level if they're gonna really start to challenge for those things. What they're doing now is great and we have a grade book coming out on the site soon. And I I mean I, this is well beyond any of my expectations. But they're not perfect, well, and they still have many, many areas in which they can improve. And once they improve those areas, look out. Well, I mean, you, you've got to 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 envision what I'm talking about. You have to look at it through a, you know, if they're completely healthy kind of deal. Because, you know, you look back at the stretch of games where the Mavs have been completely healthy this season and it was that stretch where they won 10 out of 11 (laughs) from mid-november through like the first week of december they won 10 out of 11 games and they were just beating the brakes off of people and the the lone loss was that 114 to 99 home loss to the clippers which like i said they'll have a chance to avenge that on tuesday night and i believe that one's on nba tv uh, but you look at that and it's just like, man, they were completely healthy. Luca was doing his thing. KP, you know, he was still struggling a little bit with his efficiency, but, uh, he had gotten to the point where he was comfortable doing the dirty work, uh, just helping the team out any way he could. And it was great. And then, you know, then they started to have some injury issues. Luca tweaked his ankle 
and now we're at the point where KP, what he this will be his, what was Portland his eighth missed game? Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No, it was 10, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 10. Yeah, so he's missed 10 games uh, from what the Mavs are calling right knee soreness. And, I mean, once he comes back, they say, they're saying he's fine. So I, until until we hear otherwise, I've just made the decision that I'm not going to worry about it. He's probably fine, and they're just being super cautious because the team's doing so well, and they're really, really going to need him for the playoffs this year. So, but just kind of shifting gears here, going to a little bit different topic. We said we were going to get into this. It's not really that we're upset that KP is hurt or not playing or anything. It's just the way the Mavs have handled, you know, relaying the information to the public about how his knee's doing. Because I, I said it the other day. If they would just come out right now and just be like, look, it's too risky. We just want to be safe. We're going to sit him out until after the All-Star break. That would make me feel so much better than saying, oh, he's questionable. He's definitely going to play tonight like they did the other day. And then right before the game starts, they pull him. And they've done that for like two or three games now. So... I mean, maybe it is just touch and go like that. But at some point, if you're that worried about it, you need to just pull the plug and say, okay, he's going to sit out for X amount of games. We're going to let the fans know this. We're going to let the media know this. And then everybody can focus on everything else and not have to worry about it. Yeah, let's get to those number of games and then reevaluate the situation. And if we have to sit out more, we'll tell you he's sitting out more. Yes. But don't just keep saying he's day-to-day when obviously he's not day-to-day. Yeah. And, I mean, look, we and, we don't know all the factors into it. Maybe maybe KP, after everything he went through in New York, maybe his camp doesn't like the idea of saying, oh, well, he's going to miss this X number of games. Like, don't don't put that on him so people start saying stuff. on. So, I mean, you, you never know. I mean, that, that sounds kind of petty, but... I mean, we know how Porzingis's brother is, so. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, 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 this, I don't think this has anything to, this is just my, I don't have any evidence of this, but I just think this is the Mavericks being the Mavericks. They're always, I don't want to say sketchy about situations like this. But And it's not always in a bad way. It's not like they're trying to hide anything. I just don't think they like to make a lot of these things public. They've never, at, at least from what I remember, and, you know, the way things are coming to me right now, I don't ever remember them being a, a type of team that says, oh, he's out for two weeks with a, with a sprained ankle. Oh, he's out for three weeks with this. No, it's just, oh, yeah, we'll see how it goes, blah, blah, blah. And we'll kind of tell you what's going on, but we're not really going to tell you what's going on because we don't think it's any of your business, even though it, you get paid to write about it and it really is your business. Um, we're just going to do things the way we do things and screw everybody else. And it's not – look, if the Mavs hadn't been – I mean, Rick Carlisle called his his setback the other day a glitch. What the what the hell is that? A glitch? Well, look, This is if, a if knee this, we're talking about. If this wasn't the first time that the Mavs have been a little bit iffy with – relaying injury information 
we wouldn't be as hard on him about it. But this has happened before. This has happened with Seth Curry during his during his first stint with the Mavs. It happened with Chandler Parsons uh, before that. I mean, when that picture surfaced of a uh, let's see, it was it's like a week after that picture surfaced uh, that KP had that Band-Aid on his knee <laughs> that the Mavs account posted. Well, there was nothing said about that plasma shot or whatever it is that, that he had in his knee. Well, a week later, I guess after Tim McMahon did some digging, he finally found out about it and reported it, and we're just thinking like, okay, so that happened a week ago, and we're just now finding out. <laughs> and they've just been calling it standard right knee soreness. So it's stuff like that that just makes you think, like, what what are y'all doing here? Like, just tell us what's going on. I mean... It'll make the fans feel better to know that they're getting the truth instead of, you know, okay, we're just trying to sweep it under the rug. Yeah, but. and look, <clears throat> I'm not I'm not overly concerned about any of this. I'm I not think, either. It's it's the process of I'm more yeah. upset with the Mavs than I am with anything. I'm not worried about KP's knee. No, I'm not either. I, I think he's going to be fine. I think a lot of people are freaking out because of his injury history, which is, you know, frankly, it's warranted. But people have to remember this isn't the knee that has he's had problems with in the past. This is his other knee. Um, It seemed like whatever happened, I think it happened in that Lakers game in L.A., right? Yes, supposedly. Okay. Or, was that in L.A. or was that in Dallas? It was in L.A., it was in L.A., whatever. Anyway, um, it looked like it happened there. Maybe he banged knees. Maybe he sprained something. Maybe, you know, they just won't say what it is, and that's what's frustrating. It's not yes. – if, if, if he was out for the season, they would tell us he's out for the season. That like, there's There wouldn't be any reason for them to hide that because they would get found out pretty quickly because once you have surgery, like a real surgery – that's going to come out pretty quick because you're going to be walking around with yeah. stitches and braces. and So I don't think it's anything like that. I just think they're, they invested $158 million in this guy. So they want to make sure they're taking every precaution necessary, every single solitary thing they can do to make sure they're doing the right thing, they're doing it. And they just need to be more open about it. That's all. Yeah. And, I mean, look, he might come back Tuesday versus the Clippers and, you know, we'll forget all about this after a couple games. But, like I said, it's just been frustrating given the Mavs' history of, uh, you know, not really being precise and are completely truthful in telling everybody what's going on with their players. So, it's not like it's top secret. <laughs> you know, just, just tell us what's going on. It'll be okay. We're not going to riot over it. We just want to know. It makes us feel better. So, yes. uh, But, okay, look, just shifting back to the trade stuff real quick, uh, Adrian Orjanowski tweeted out that the Kings continue to search for an avenue to unload center Dwayne Dedman, who's in the first season of a three-year, $40 million contract. Uh, and then our guy Corey... And Corey, I mean, if if I butcher this, I'm sorry, but it says his name Corey Wolfenbarger. If uh, he he replied to it and tagged me and said, "Are you down for Deadman Tax?" 
being the tax if it means the Mavs get Bogdanovich. Uh, I, I don't Hell know. Hell yeah! <laughs> what? Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> I, I would do shoot it. Threes. I would do it because I, you know, it's kind of like a situation uh, with Tim Hardaway Jr. where I kept saying it, and I, I, I put it out on the timeline earlier today. But when the trade happened with New York. I could see him. I could just envision him going back to what he was when he was with Atlanta. And sure enough, that's what that's what's happened. You put players that have talent like he does in different situations and situations to succeed, uh, not you know using them the wrong way or overusing them, they're going to perform the way you want them to. And I I could I could see that. I could see Deadman uh, being an asset for the Mavs in a trade like that. So yeah, yeah, I, I would do it. It's three years, 40 million. This is the first year of it, but I think that they could get enough out of him to where they could trade his contract later if needed. So, so yeah, yeah. just because he's the tax doesn't mean you can't turn around and flip him for something else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like you said, he can shoot threes. So, I mean, that, uh, that's a plus right there. He, he wouldn't be, it's a little bit different than like a Drummond situation where it's one dimensional. He's pretty versatile for a big. I mean, in all due respect to Boban, but he's probably a better backup big than Boban. Uh, well, he he'd be a better backup big in longer stretches than Boban. What, I'll that, say that. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. He's yeah. he's a more reliable solution. If, Bo- <laughs> if Boban if Boban could play 25 minutes a night, he'd be the best backup center in league history. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah yeah Corey, i would do that hope you're listening <laughs> but look looking at the schedule they got the clippers on tuesday then they play portland again who is <laughs> who's apparently starting to go into tank mode so uh that might be a fairly easy win um uh, then they finish off next week on Saturday at Utah, uh, which is going to be a pretty tough game. It's an early game, though, uh, and Utah's been playing extremely well lately. So that's the next three. That's the next three next week. Clippers, Blazers, and Utah Jazz. And, look, uh, the day of the Clippers game, we plan on having a really, really special guest for y'all. I'm not going to spoil it, but – Y'all all love him, and he's going to have a lot of, you know, good stuff to say about the Mavs and that historic offense that they've uh, put out this year. But, Matt, anything else you want to say before we take off? I almost totally forgot who our guest was. I was like, who the hell is he talking about? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, not going to really. spoil it for every- I'm not going to spoil <laughs> it, but, I mean, it. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's got a lot of good stuff to say about uh, about the offense and some other stats. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, just keep an eye out for our site. We're, uh, we're posting a, a mid mid season grade book that's coming up. That's going to be good. Um, yeah. Round table. Yeah. Round table discussion with the whole staff. Um, not 75 different people, but <laughs> I think we all know that at that point or at this point, um, the six member staff, the six member staff and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that's it. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to 
our podcast on iTunes and like and rate and subscribe and share and maybe you'll win some Mavs tickets or something. Who knows? Yeah, guys, definitely do that. Uh, we're over halfway. Uh, I haven't looked lately. I think we're at like 530 uh, YouTube subscriptions, uh, subscribers, sorry. Uh, but, I mean, just make sure you go there. Make sure you sign up if you haven't already because uh, we're stopping it as soon as we hit 1,000. And uh, one lucky subscriber will, like Matt said, you'll win a couple of Mavs tickets uh, to the home game of your choice. Uh, that's that's getting close. As we get closer to the end of the season, there's not that many games left, but there's still a lot of really good ones left. So make sure you do that. Don't want you to miss out. Uh, and just be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on every other uh, podcast platform that you like the best. And keep coming back and helping us grow this thing. We had a great year last year, and this year's already off to a great start again. So... Guys, we appreciate it. Have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you Tuesday. A uh, lot of times feel like I was on the road to nowhere. Tell me why all these people up in my face acting like I know them. Feeling like Luka Doncic, rookie of the year, I'm the coldest. God speaking through me every single track where I fit like Moses. Asking why I gotta wait till I'm dead to go and get my roses. Feeling like Mass 2019, grinding unfocused. I used to go to bed at night, this current so hopeless. Went through the same pain, my friends chose drugs to cope with. Now I'm reading all these hate comments, man, it got I'm in motion. I had to whip up the potion, I ain't even with the boasting. I was just broken, way down to my lowest. Getting swallowed by them locusts, letting God do the coaching. I had to go through a lot, just to realize that I'm chosen. Carried away, felt like boulders, all of those slams shut. Had to bulldoze them, name a rapper dude who can see me over wax. I'm just trying to spit the facts. Where I spit my flow, people telling me relax. I just get it double back, I just get it double back. They still ask for more and I gave them my last. Can't never seen to let go of the past. And that's sad, uh. I just sit back and reflect. Oh my God, they really feeling the kid. Family calling on the phone, almost a star. True, look what you did. About to put silk right back on the grid. Go kill a beat, then go listen to Trig. Turn on my phone and I listen to Matt. Headphones in, sit back with a grand. Making up a profit, I don't care about the profit. I'm just teaching like a prophet. I'm just preaching like a prophet. Staying tall like I'm dodging. Sleeping on me like pajamas. I'm just trying to fill up my wallet. What you call it, uh? Profit trying to make a profit, uh? Everybody wanna live lavish and ball, but got no clue what it costs. I done helped a lot of people, but when I'm down, I ain't got no one to call. Had to get up and throw my feelings in the trash. Man, my heart was getting mauled. Walking on this thin roadway to my goals. Man, they praying I fall off. And I ain't feel never hate. Best rapper at the table, and I ain't even ate. Still got the nerve to try to take my plate. But I'm a hero to these people and they ain't got it on the road to nowhere Tell me why all these people up in my face acting like I know them Feeling like Luka Doncic, rookie of the year, I'm the coldest God speaking through me every single track, profit like Moses Asking why I gotta wait till I'm dead to go and get my roses Feeling like Mass 2019, grinding unfocused I used to go to bed at night, this current so hopeless Went through the same pain, my friends chose drugs to cope with Reading all these hate comments, man, it got me rolling. Tell me why all these people up in my face acting like I know them. Feeling like Luka Doncic, rookie of the year, I'm the coldest. God speaking through me every single track, profit like Moses. Asking why I gotta wait till I'm dead to go and get my roses.
living life last 2019, grinding, I'm focused. I used to go to bed at night, discouraged, so hopeless. Went through the same pain, my friends chose drugs to cope with. Now I'm reading all these hating comments, man, it got me rolling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.